open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Nitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. We have uh, Paul Huey with us, who's founder and CEO of Airbits, the wallet. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me, Trace. Okay, so first, the URL is airbits, A-I-R-B-I-T-Z dot C-O. That's correct, A-I-R-B-I-T-Z dot C-O. Dot C-O. And you're a mobile wallet. Can you explain a little bit about what platform we use it on? It's iPhone. Right. It's on iPhone, it's on Android, it's a core focus on mobile. We build a native app, it's not a web-based app at all. And with the functionality that we're providing on mobile, we're trying to make it where people don't feel the need to actually access their wallet from a desktop. We build a lot of the security into it, a lot of the functionality, the ease of use. But with Airbits, we have an incredibly, incredibly strong focus on the true core values of Bitcoin, which are financial autonomy, obviously a bit of good amount of security, but then also privacy. And we do that hidden from the actual user. That way the user doesn't have to care about those things. They don't have to go through any extra steps. They simply get their autonomy and their privacy with a familiar experience. Let's go back a little bit about where Airbits kind of came from. Uh, you coordinate, run the San Diego Bitcoin meetup, right, for a few years. Yep. And so we've actually known each other for a while. And I remember we were, uh, what's that Italian restaurant up in Oceanside? Spiritos, I think. Spiritos, I think. It might be Spiritos, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm like eating, I'm eating my calzone or whatever. <laughs> and we have a brand new guy at the meetup. And so, you know, I'm just making conversation with him. And I can tell that he's pretty, like, he's a pretty smart guy. Oh, yeah. Even though he's like brand new to Bitcoin. And I'm like kind of asking questions. He's like, oh, yeah, and I'm doing this and this and you know, it's taken a ton of work, but I'm, I'm able to generate all my private keys without like on a computer that's touched the internet. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Have you heard of Armory? He's like, no, what's that? And I like tell him about Armory. And next thing you know, he's off and running like with Armory and I see him the next time. Uh, and I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, how are things going? And he's like, Oh, it's great. And and I was like, you've been using Armory? And he's like, yeah. And I, I actually wrote a script in Python where I roll my dice on the table. And so I'm generating all my own entropy. I'm like, <laughs> that is like, you're taking security serious. No. Yeah. Now, does. now that's William Swanson, right? Like is, he's, he's the core developer here at Airbits. Yep, um, he's a core developer. He's one of our co-founders. And he was also a core developer at the Live Bitcoin project you know, for Dark Wallet, Open Bazaar. They all leverage that exact platform. So, yeah, we're super happy to have William as a co-founder and developer. And that adds an incredible layer of expertise in Bitcoin in general and cryptography and security. Yeah, and he's, uh, gosh, he's probably been around Bitcoin now a year or two mm-hmm. at least. Um, yeah, this is, this is really exciting. And I think he's got a master's degree in something like electrical engineering, one of, the, a, one of the hard sciences, right? Yeah, he has an electrical engineering degree. Our CTO has a master's degree in computer science. So we're... We're stocked with those skills and we have guys that 
ironically, aren't on the radar. They haven't worked for big companies like Google and Facebook and Apple. You get to know them, you realize they're incredibly sharp, passionate, and talented guys. And I'm super, if anything, this experience has been great just be, being able to work with this team. Yeah, rubbing shoulders with them. And I think Williams actually made some uh, commits to the Bitcoin core code also. Uh, oh, I've been discussing with them a little bit about that. Now, this kind of raises one of the issues because when you have an app that's running on the iPhone, like you can't compile the code. I mean, you go get it out of the Apple App Store. So we don't actually know like what the code is that's running on Airbits. Right. What are some of the security vulnerabilities that come about because of that? So definitely the compromise that could occur would be Apple actually injecting an alternative binary. So the user isn't installing the binary that they think they are. That's something that we have to understand and accept and realize that when you're using a mobile device and you're using a wallet such as Airbits, which is a you know, single signature hot wallet, this is for spending. This makes your funds readily available where you control your money and you control your ability to send and receive. But it's not meant for your large asset storage. That's where you use other solutions, cold storage, armory, uh, shared multi-sig across several devices or people or entities. Uh, but there is still a need for people to have as secure as possible mobile storage. Which is nice with Apple because it really does sandbox uh, the apps and things like that. And I think that's important for people to understand is we got different use cases. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're securing $100 million like the U.S. Marshalls or the Winkle Boss ETF or the, you know, the Bitcoin Investment Trust, et cetera, like you'd use Armory. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for an application on your iPhone for paying for dinner or something, then Airbits could be a very good solution for this. Exactly. Now, what else is built into Airbits that makes it even more useful for people uh, as a mobile wallet? So we start with the actual creation of a, an account or a wallet. For a lot of people, pretty much 99% of the population, they've never had to back up their money. They've never had to encrypt their money. And those are very foreign concepts and it scares a lot of people away from Bitcoin. Our take is make it familiar, make it a login, a password, and a PIN to create a wallet which is automatically encrypted and automatically backed up. It feels like a hosted wallet, feels like mobile banking or PayPal, but it's actually true Bitcoin. The user owns their money, they own their private keys. But so complete control over the generation and the storage. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, assuming the code is running as exactly. represented coming through the Apple Store. Exactly. So long as it hasn't been compromised in that regard. So... That's our take from the get-go. Like create something that feels familiar, but is true Bitcoin at heart. And then after that, we take it another step further, and we're trying to bring full financial functionality into the Bitcoin ecosystem, even above and beyond what a PayPal would give you. One of the pain points that I had as a Bitcoin user was that I had no idea what I was spending or using my Bitcoin on, because all I saw were these long, scary 30, 40 character public addresses that I was either sending money to or receiving money from, and a Bitcoin amount. I didn't know how much that was in fiat at the time I made that purchase or send or receive. I didn't know what, who that was for, category. And I was a, a QuickBooks, quick and dork for years. And I said, we can build this into a wallet. And the great thing is, as soon as you spend money, why not tag it right then and there while it's still fresh in your head? So that's probably one of our core ease of use functionalities for people long term. And we're meeting a lot of people that have been using our wallet now for quite some time. And are like, wow, I really super appreciate this type of functionality. Things like having the record keeping, having, being able to be like this yeah. certain amount of millibits was spent for entertainment expense, which was exactly. food, which was uh, or whatever. $10 at the time that I spent yeah. it. 
Exactly. And of course, a strong focus on privacy as well. Low hanging fruit for privacy is you got to have rolling addresses. You got to change your addresses with every single transaction. Yeah, no address reuse. There's no address reuse. We make it hard for a user to reuse their address, and we do it all behind the scenes. Basically, you don't have to see your addresses. You just request, get a QR code, or you send and you scan a QR code. Some other ease of use stuff that we've incorporated on iPhone right now, you can actually send over Bluetooth. You don't have to scan a QR code, especially if it's outdoors and the lighting's really bad. Um, you can send a request over SMS or email. And here's a great thing we do. We basically built it almost like a personal payment processor into your wallet. If you send a request over email, what we do is the wallet remembers the email address that was associated or the name associated with that uh, request and the, the dollar value or whatever fiat currency value was associated with that request. And when the money comes in, it might come in in two seconds. It might come in in two years. When it does come in, we pre-populate all of the metadata with that person's name or email address and what the fiat value and, and millibit value was of the request. Because everyone knows when you make a request for, say, 200 millibit, that person can pay you 10. And for me, I'd make these requests. I'd send my address out to people. I'd have no clue what this money was that came in. Right. Like, who the hell was this? What was it for? What was the dollar amount that I wanted? No clue at all. And that gets mostly eliminated with the functionality we've added. And so it's almost like invoicing some somebody right from your mobile phone. This is going to, I think, become more important, yeah. especially if we're using Bitcoin for business expenses. Exactly. Uh, like Expensify.com, right. they've got Bitcoin reimbursement. And I've got a friend uh, who's started this company called CoinReporting.com. And they build all the tax implication and accounting and software and all this in there. And so, you know, Airbix could very easily be integrated with that and become a solution. Uh, so that we're doing all of our tax uh, exactly. accounting properly. All of the transaction data that's in Airbits is 100% private. It's encrypted by the user's login and password. We have no capability of seeing that information. But the great thing is the user can actually export it to a CSV and give it to their accountant or anyone else. That, or import it to coin reporting, reporting or whatever. Exactly, yeah. import to coin reporting to QuickBooks Quick and whatnot. Might need some munging and whatnot, but otherwise it's at least in a format that you can handle a CSV file. Yeah, I, I love coin reporting because it's got integration with like 22 exchanges. Perfect. And like <clears throat> just, you know, Airbits could get integrated in there. It integrates with a lot of wallets. And like, I think that's important because you, you brought up this point about how people are doing Bitcoin with Bitcoin when they're using Airbits as opposed to like blockchain.info, where we're dealing with a centralized service there. Can you go a little bit more in depth about why this is important for individuals to really be doing Bitcoin with Bitcoin, like okay. Airbits is? Well, first uh, I'll give blockchain.info some credit. And with blockchain.info, most of their usage cases, you actually are dealing with Bitcoin for Bitcoin, right? They're, they're a partly decentralized service. Like you own your own private keys, they are yours, and they're encrypted on your browser or on your device. Where Airbits takes an extra step of decentralization is that in order to send and receive funds, you're not reliant on Airbits as a company. You can actually log into your phone. As long as you've logged into it before and the data's on your phone, you can log in without any Airbit servers existing. You can even go into airplane mode, punch in your login and password, and it decrypts your information. Boom, there goes your wallet and all of your transactions. And then to send money, you do obviously need internet connection, but to send it out, you don't need Airbit servers as well. We directly access and push to several APIs and access the, the Bitcoin network so that you don't need Airbits to exist to send out your money. Many other wallets say, well, you should have a backup in case anything happens to us. Blockchain will email you a backup of your wallet, which a lot of people have gotten hacked because mm -hmm. the encryption isn't very strong on web-based wallets because the web runs in a language called JavaScript, 
which is inherently slow compared to native compiled code, which is what we run. And so the, the encryption strength has to be toned down, otherwise it would take really long to decrypt a wallet. We can really crank up that encryption strength because we're running much faster code. So in the essence of decentralization, which is what you brought up, we go through every effort to be as decentralized as possible. Now, there's some aspects of our wallet that still rely on a central server, but not for much functionality, literally to create an account. And that's it. After that, you can access the network directly. So that's the main difference, but also we fold in significantly better ease of use than a lot of the other wallets in that people are familiar with a login and a password. They're not familiar with writing down a bunch of numbers and printing out PDFs. And they can access their account from multiple devices, just like mobile banking. It doesn't have to feel any different. It's not, oh, well, you want to pair your phone? Go scan this QR code. First log into our webpage and scan this QR code to pair your other device. No, that's a very foreign usage case. No, it's just a login and a password. And everything that we build from here going forward, we spend hours and hours to make sure that the technology is usable before we roll it out. We have a 2FA that we're going to roll out in a few weeks, and it's going to be the most grandma-friendly 2FA in existence. It's going to be you push a button. Nice. nice. And that's it. There's absolutely nothing left to do other than push a button, get a pop-up that lets you know what's happening, and hit OK. And we've never seen this, and we've talked about it for hours, because when we roll out a tech, we're going to make sure that everybody can use it. And that's at the core heart of Airbits. And I don't think any company has this kind of a focus on usability while still preserving true core values of Bitcoin. True, true core Bitcoin. Exactly. Uh, well, I mean, to kind of bring that up, um, you know, because I've interviewed Nick Carey, CEO of Blockchain, and also Aaron Voisin, CEO of Red Wallet. And I really like Red Wallet. You know, and, and I'd say if we're looking at a competitor to Airbits, like Red Wallet's probably right there. But Red Wallet... It's super simple, super easy to use, and I've noticed it is faster than Airbits, yep. but it lacks a lot of these other features. Um, it lacks like being able to tag uh, what you were right. sending for. I think it lacks, I'm not sure exactly how it handles the, uh, I think it, it is an SPV wallet. I'm not sure yes, exactly it how it handles like dealing with other servers or things of that nature. Um it's an SPV serverless wallet. It acts as the Bitcoin network directly. It is a great wallet. And I yeah. give Aaron a lot of credit. He's accomplished a ton basically on his own. Right, yeah, and he's, and he's done it all on his own. But what it doesn't have is it doesn't have this directory feature uh, that Airbits has. Right. Can you talk a little bit about this directory feature? Because I actually found this directory feature to be a lot of fun. Like, great. Like, well, I found it to be pretty darn cool. So maybe yeah. you can talk a little bit about it. Well, the directory, once again, came from a pain point of ours in that we wanted to use Bitcoin as a real currency. And I think that's where it will really take off long term is using Bitcoin or at least Bitcoin technology as a real currency. And there were other directories out there. Now, CoinMap is one example and a few others. And they just they felt much like garage projects, like early Internet days. We've all talked about how Bitcoin felt feels like the early Internet. But we've already built technology that has done directories with far better functionality and usability and search capabilities and visual appeal than what has been out there. And luckily, two of my co-founders happened to have built a directory prior to Airbits. Oh, nice. And they were very skilled in being able to build a good-looking, very functional directory with great search capabilities. So we threw that in. It, it took us literally two months to build our directory on two platforms and the web, two mobile platforms and the web. And it's been receiving great, great positive feedback. Like, wow, this is the one I really want to use. Um, our core value with the directory is we're not going to be the largest one everywhere in the world. We've only launched in 15 countries, but in those locations, we try to be as complete and as thorough as possible. And we can't guarantee to be absolutely accurate. We had someone complain on Twitter that 
they went to a place that didn't take Bitcoin. Like, okay, well, we update it as soon as we can. We try to verify every listing before we put them on there. Yeah, and you know, it, it kind of since we're getting close to the end of the interview, it just you know we have different use cases, and we're going to want different tools. Right. You know, if you want super ultra secure Bitcoin storage, like use Armory. You don't use a mobile device. Like right, exactly. You, you don't you don't use a device that ever touches the internet, touches the internet at all. Right. I mean, but if you want a functional usable wallet, you know, there, there could be bread wallet, but that doesn't tell you where you can spend your Bitcoins. Uh, and so, you know, maybe you want that. And, and that's exactly where Airbits would, would fall into this. Or maybe you need a wallet because you're spending Bitcoins uh, as an employee and you need to be able to write it off and have everything properly expensed and stuff like that. And so, you know, I think, I think it's very important for users of Bitcoin to kind of identify what they need in their own specific use case and then find the tool that fits best uh, for them in that. No, that's and very true. So there, you know, we have that with Airbits and because I think we're going to continue seeing more and more wallets uh, coming out and they're all going to have kind of their unique selling proposition and be useful in different areas. Is there anything else that we kind of want to hit on? I mean, we've talked about security. We've talked about privacy. features. Uh, we've talked a little bit about privacy. A little bit about privacy. I yeah, let's, let's talk a little a bit more about this privacy, privacy because yeah. uh, I don't think people understand just how much information they can potentially be leaking with their wallets. Right. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about how Airbits <clears throat> really takes this privacy issue very seriously and how it's applied. Got it. So... First step in taking privacy pretty seriously, obviously, is control your own private keys where we don't see your private keys. But that's also security. Obviously, you don't want other people controlling your private keys. But second, and a lot of people don't ask this question, is does my wallet provider see my public addresses? And with any provider that can give you like SMS notifications when you receive money, well, if they can do that, then they clearly know what your public addresses are. So be wary of services that, you know, will send you an email when you receive money because that means that they do know your yeah, public like, addresses. Like blockchain.info, BitGo. BitGo, exactly. Um, they know everything you know, on BitGo. Uh, yeah, they know everything. <laughs> Any multi-sig co-signed wallet will know all of your transactions because they're co-signing on your behalf. Now, one, some of the more subtle aspects that people don't realize is that some of the wallets that are actually somewhat decentralized, which people consider private, such as SPV wallets, the, the Bread Wallet, the Andreas Schilbach uh, Android uh, Wallet, Android. One of the faults of an SPV wallet today with our current implementations is that in order for you to access the network via SPV, you have to do it through an unencrypted connection. Mm. So you can't go SSL to a Bitcoin node out there. One of the reasons why Airbits is using LibBitcoin, you know, great hats off to a lot of the great work that Amir Taki has done, is that LibBitcoin has implemented a server called Obelisk, and it is a full Bitcoin node. However, a light client like Airbits can actually access it through a secure connection. So if you compromise that server, yes, then you see everything that's going on. However, you can't man in the middle of that connection and just suddenly snoop and see all the traffic that goes through there. And soon they're going to be adding SPV support as well in a much faster implementation than what the Bitcoin D node offers. So now as we start promoting the use of the server, and it is an open source server that other people can run, and we run some servers, Dark Wallet runs some of those, and so does OpenBazaar, we can now share servers and be even more decentralized, but connect to each other through an encrypted connection. I think you'll be very interested to uh, version 0.93 of Armory that we're, uh, we just released out for testing because we have full supernode capabilities, uh, open source supernode capabilities running with Armory. Nice. So that's going to allow people to run their own supernodes for their own uh, customers or like whatever. And 
you know, a lot of people, they don't understand that, like, you know, if you're logging in and checking your balance on blockchain.info, you're exposing. You're exposing how many Bitcoins you're at least yeah. checking for. Right, exactly. And that's linked in with your IP address, which if right. you're not using a VPN, like private internet access that you can pay for with Bitcoins, then, I mean, you're, you're just leaking all this information and then they know who to kidnap. So there's actually some solutions uh, they, for that. They can figure, that, like if you're right. working in a company setting and you mm-hmm. have segregation of duties, they can figure out what the security profile is and where to compromise it or that how person. to compromise exactly. it. I mean, we, we have to really take this serious, which Absolutely. like Armory, you know, we're running a full node and or full super node that'll be coming out. And so we're never leaking any information, anybody else about uh, the public keys, the balances we're checking mm-hmm. on. But when it comes to a, a mobile app, like is Airbits the first uh, mobile app implementation where we have this type of privacy feature attached with it? I can't say it's the absolute first, but I don't know of any others at this point. And some of this, pri- you had mentioned a really great thing about whenever we query an address, we're leaking information. And every time you have a super node, that is a concern. I don't know the implementation on Armory, whether or not you're sending a single address and saying, hey, I care about this address to that super node. But well, you can run your own supernode. We're releasing software so anybody well, so can run, run their own supernodes. But one more important thing that people running their own supernode is actually what is the communication to that supernode. And so LibBitcoin in, is in development for what are called prefix queries, meaning that instead of sending out an address to a supernode saying, hey, I care about this address, you send out a prefix of an address. So basically you can balance bandwidth for privacy and say, I want all of the information and address that starts with these first six digits. And now you're shadowed by more information and you now have plausible deniability as to which address you truly care uh, about. So, and, and as long as you're not doing just the first bits, I mean, you could be, uh, you're, you're talking about, you know, getting back a hundred different balances. Exactly. And then they don't know which balance exactly. you, you intentioned to yep. query. That's a really important feature and realize that even wallets that are, you know, SPV don't necessarily implement. With SPV, the Bitcoin D nodes use what are called bloom filters, but not all wallets implement bloom filters in that way because you can implement it such that, well, you still are just querying one address. Right? So that's coming down the pipe pretty quickly for a little Bitcoin. And we hopped on that project and we supported it and delayed us many months. It was a very early project, but we hopped on it because we know that the people developing on that platform care this much about privacy and autonomy. And we're fully in line with what they're trying to build. So we contribute to it as well. And we get those, that, that type of functionality as they start to build it and they get what we build as well. Well, and it's always been kind of one of, one of my personal philosophy is, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. (laughs) If you can prevent something from ever showing up in the database in the first place, like why not do that? I mean, it's really kind of crazy when you think about it. JP Morgan Mm -hmm. recently hacked 76 million uh, customer profiles, Uh, Home Depot, 55 million uh, Sony, hundreds of millions. I mean, identity theft is only going to continue getting worse. getting worse. And like, why have any of this information appear in the database in the first place for a hacker to be able to steal? And so this is great. You know, Air, Airbits just takes this preemptive strike against 
yep. leaking personal information. Yep, we absolutely do. Not only do we pre- prevent leaking personal information, we don't even allow you to give it to us in the first place. Yeah, and I mean, these, <laughs> are, to put it. these are the types of best practices that I think we need to see, not just in Bitcoin land, but in any type of uh, digital transactions that right. we're engaged in, right. you know, checking emails or uh, like our credit cards or bank statements or all mm-hmm. of these things like you know, why, why have the information appear there to begin with? I mean, it's really kind of crazy when you think of all the information that we give to make a payment online right, right now. I mean, name, address, everything an identity thief needs to steal our identity, like, is required for us to make a $5 payment yeah. online. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Um, yeah, and, and people just don't really value the privacy until they're cleaning up the mess. Right. I mean, it takes hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars <laughs> to clean up identity when you're a victim of identity theft. I mean, it's just huge. Like why, why make yourself that potential victim anyways, which kind of goes to the security model that you've got behind Airbits is why would a hacker target Airbits when it's decentralized, Mm -hmm. when people are probably keeping a hundred dollars or less in the wallet? Like it's low probability that, that any particular device will get hacked. And even if the device does get hacked, it's a, high probability that there will be a low amount of money for the thief to recover. So why would the thieves even be targeting it in the first place? I mean, that's the whole point of security. You can never make anything 100% secure. You just want to make it more expensive to hack than the value that they're targeting or make it where they don't even know what the value is that they're targeting in the first place. And that's actually one of the data models we implement on our server. So obviously our server only holds encrypted data, but it's encrypted by the user's login and password, which can, you know, if it's not very good, be brute forced. However, we make sure that the public addresses aren't visible and are not associated with a user's account. So that way, even if I sent you a million dollars worth of Bitcoin and I saw that you're you're using Airbits and I saw your public address, I go ahead and act our Airbits servers, but I don't know where that money is. Yeah, so it's a great zero-knowledge policy that Airbits has. Like, if you're served with a subpoena. Okay, okay, there you go. There you go. There, take, 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 take everything. All take it all. Good luck. Have fun. <laughs> Why do you think it is that, I mean, are, are these other wallets out there? I mean, hate to bash on blockchain.info because I really like the guys and it's been a great pillar in the Bitcoin community. But, I mean, there's lots of address reuse. There's right. not no decentralization on a lot of the looking up addresses and things like what we're talking about here. I mean, they really leak a ton of information. Right, right. I mean, are they just cutting corners? Is it just not the way that we think about building stuff? Because we now have got this decentralized consensus, uh, programmable trust with Bitcoin. Like, do we do we just not think of building things that way because of, like, the traditions? I, think I mean, what is it? I think you, you've hit on it. It's the traditions. We've been taught for 10, 20 years about building client-server technology, and that's what we know. And having to rewind and retrain ourselves into a decentralized and private environment is a challenge and you know we've spent hours on end talking amongst the co-founders at here at airbits whenever we implement something in what are we leaking and what are we compromising in the true core values of bitcoin and i give blockchain info incredible amount of credit because they were for you know years 
the most usable wallet. And most is just exactly that word, right? It's most compared to everything else. Yeah, but there and just wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of then. choice back then. But we know we needed something like uh, blockchain.info. Now, one of the challenges when you're an early adopter and you're an early implementer is that you're left with a lot of legacy code that you now have to refactor and change in order to implement some of the newer tech. And that's why you know technology does change and companies come and they go because dealing with your legacy tech is a challenge and sometimes it's easier to start from scratch. And luckily with Airbits, we've been able to see the different tech that's existed. We see the blockchain.info, we see the mycelium, we see the hosted wallets and go, how can we bring the best of all of those together into one wallet? And that's where we've picked and choose some tech. And we said, okay, well, we can decentralize the encrypted storage on like blockchain.info so that you don't need a single server. We can access the network directly and not have to go through a server that's just our own the way a mycelium would. Because some of those that tech is now available to us. If and and, you, had to, and you literally had to build it. We had to build a lot of it. You know, you had to build a lot of it. It's delayed yeah. the release of Airbits, but right. you know, you're not cutting the corners. You're building the tech you need to really show that in your application you value these core principles of privacy, decentralization, security, uh, all of this. And the challenge is actually wrapping it in ease of use. Because uh-huh. you can do all of those things and make it hard to use. But to do all of those things and wrap it where you know grandma can open an account. And I found out from one of our fans here at this conference that his 73-year-old mom opened up an Airbus wallet, no sweat. And it was the first time he felt like he could introduce Bitcoin to her. It was only when he finally experienced Arabits. He's like, I'm so happy you guys came out. And to be able to wrap all of those core values with a user interface that the masses can use is a challenge. And, and find where they can spend their Bitcoins. Yeah, and they can find where they spend their Bitcoins as well. So now grandma can go and buy coffee down the street if she happens to live somewhere close by. That's the challenge. Actually, one of the biggest challenges is the inverse of that is that people that do value the privacy and the decentralization, they see our UI and it's almost like, that you can't have that much privacy because you look too much like, you know, the, the, the Facebooks of the world. Or the PayPal. And the PayPals of the world. And they don't realize how much work we go through under the covers to uphold privacy even stronger than the wallets that look scary. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? So we have a, a bit of a communications challenge. That's, but I'm hoping that as we communicate with some of the evangelists in the space, the people that really tell people what they should be using based on these certain requirements that they have, that they'll understand that we've struck that balance and we've really been able to to work our way and, and appease the masses and deliver the privacy and autonomy that we all should have. And our take on privacy is it's only good if everybody's using it or a lot of people are using it. Mm-hmm. If you're the one guy running through the room with a sheet over your head and everyone's wondering, hey, where's Trace? You <laughs> Maybe, know? He's under the Maybe he's under the paper head. bag. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But if everyone's running around in the internet with the hood over their head, then you don't know who anyone is. Even the people that don't care about privacy. That's the important thing. You need, just like SSL, it needs to be automatic and invisible. And I credit Andreas to that, to that quote, Andreas Antonopoulos. He said, we need to make privacy in Bitcoin as simple as SSL is. And it greatly increases the security for everybody. Exactly. You know, we're going to have less Bitcoins just getting compromised and hacked. Right. Like, and, and less identity theft. Yep. Uh, all of these security. big problems that people struggle with, like, you know, we just don't have the information appear there in the first place. Exactly. And and it preempts so many of these problems. Exactly. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. We've had uh, Paul Puey, co-founder and CEO of Airbits Wallet, A-I-R-B-I-T-Z dot C-O. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Paul. Hey, it was a pleasure, Trace. Look forward to talking again later. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. 
got a question or suggestion, record your voice at Bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.